Mental health is still the NBA subject of the day, and we dive into it a little bit more. Channing Fry has some words of wisdom, maybe a little foreboding for the young Lakers playing with LeBron. And how many guys could LeBron beat by himself in a pickup game? We cover all of that and more in today's edition of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Still rolling on five days a week throughout the summer, throughout the dead period. There is always something to talk about here. And on Wednesday, I am your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. And I am John Corrales, co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find my stuff, RedsArmy.com, Boston.com, a whole bunch of other places soon to come. And you can find me on Twitter, RedsArmy underscore John. John, after missing last week, I'm really excited to be back here today because we've got a really important topic that was covered on the podcast yesterday. But it's also it's just such an important thing that we need to dive into it a little bit more today. And that's the mental health aspect of the NBA and what's going on there and the reports and everything coming out. And I know you're particularly passionate about this sort of thing. What's your number one takeaway, let's say, from all of this? Well, my number one takeaway, and yes, I am very, very passionate, is a a subject that is very close to me. Um, My number one takeaway is that I am very, very excited to see these guys talk about this issue so openly because the thing with mental health, mental wellness, is that there is still a horrible stigma attached to it. And there's still a feeling that anybody going through this stuff is quote unquote mentally weak. And the fact is that there's no difference between this and breaking a bone or tearing a ligament or any of those things. And no one would say, Oh, you're weak for your bone breaking, but for something going wrong uh, and, and feeling a certain way that's out of your control uh, that, that, stigma needs to be broken and the fact that like today marcus morris who is one of the genuinely tough guys quote unquote tough guys of the nba a guy who seriously takes nothing on the court and is very willing to step up and very willing to do whatever it takes to win a game for him to open up about depression and going into a shell is very enlightening because he comes from a very tough area of Philadelphia where he said people got respect for murdering others. Like that's how bad it was for him to come out and say, yeah, I was dealing with depression and going to the Celtics, which is a team that was very open and encouraging of mental wellness. And they brought in a psychiatrist. And after a couple of sessions, he started seeing her on a regular basis to have him say, yeah, this has helped me a lot is just so, so, so important. And my biggest takeaway is that 
I'm excited to hear these guys talk because it may inspire young people to get the help that they need before they go down a path of self-destruction or destruction of others or property that just costs them their life in other ways. So it, it's just, it's terribly important and I'm very excited to see it being talked about so openly. Yeah. I, you know, I think a way, what you're kind of saying, a way to sum it up maybe is this helps destigmatize it because there is a very big stigma associated with it. And it's not a sign of weakness as we're all going to be echoing and everyone said, and I think it's starting to kind of come to the forefront. It's just something's wrong and you've got to deal with it. Like you say, like a broken bone, like a sprained ankle, anything like that, get treatment for it, get it right. You don't still play on the sprained ankle or something along those lines. I don't know this. I find so, we're kind of seeing like a weird year or two over the over the course of the NBA where we're really seeing how human and how much just like us. A lot of these NBA players are whether it is the mental health issues and you look at these players and they're making millions upon millions of dollars. You would think life is really good and easy for them. And it's it just doesn't work out that way. You know, it doesn't kind of matter how much money you have, who your friends are, who you hang out with, anything like that this just kind of affects everybody and it kind of shows that to everyone else and then you see this kind of in the grand uh, a larger picture of things with the kevin durant and the burner accounts and being really worried about what people think and wanting to defend himself on that when you think he should be above all of that but he's not same thing with maybe brian colangelo or his wife wanting to defend himself no matter who these people are in these high up positions where we feel they should be infallible they're not which means nobody's infallible which means whenever this type of thing comes up people should really try and get help for it. I think what we need to understand is these young men who often come from adverse circumstances um, and often come from a culture that emphasizes being strong, mentally just stuffing your feelings down, being tough and soldiering forward, that any level of financial success, fame, athletic achievement, it's not a cure. It's not medicine. It's just they happen to be great athletes and they have this ability. But what it does is it gives them instant fame. And it's it's almost like rising from a dive too quickly and getting the bends and, and, and putting yourself at risk. You get that money. You get a lot of money real fast. When you come from some of these tough situations that a lot of these kids come from, then instantly you're famous. Instantly you're top draft pick. Instantly, you're getting five, six, seven million dollars as a rookie, and you don't know what to do with it. And then on top of it, you're playing on a team. We've heard recently the stories about gambling on the back of planes and the, the competitive nature behind these guys, and and they feel the need to kind of keep up somehow. The pressure, all of that stuff, it can end up being negative. Having all that money so quickly can be a negative. The pressure of saying, well, now I've got to take care of my family and my friends and all of these people. And now suddenly you've got 20 people on your own personal payroll when people don't understand that if you're making $6 million, it's not $6 million. After taxes, after everything, it becomes $3 million. And after that, you know, you don't get that all in one shot. And you start paying a lot of things out and taking out loans and credit. That adds up. So there's a lot of pressure on these kids and that can exacerbate their their mental uh, wellness and, and any pro any issues with their mental wellness. So 
this is an important discussion, and I don't expect everybody to get it right away. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, you know what, I don't, I don't buy it. Okay, fine. But you're wrong. And eventually, if you continue to listen to these people talk about their problems, you'll see, okay, uh, maybe I was a little harsh. Maybe I was wrong. I'm willing to get, give people the time. I'm not going to be angry about people saying that, you know, whatever. I'm just willing to pe- give people time to understand that they are wrong about this and, and understand that this is an issue. And one last comment from me. I know I'm talking about this only because I'm very, very passionate about this. I'm glad the NBA is so open that they're allowing this, that the players, the teams, I know there's a long way to go, but I'm so happy to hear that teams and individuals are now much more open to discussing this and, and just embracing that mental wellness, mental health is important. And only by doing that and only by talking about it can we get to the place where we need to be. It's not coming soon, but it's coming sooner than it was yesterday because of all of this. Well, you you just kind of segued perfectly. It's like we almost planned this, even though we didn't plan that specific thing here, about what I wanted to say. Look at how far the league's come over, say, I think it's now six years where Royce White was drafted by the Rockets in the first round, and he was really kind of the first person out there in the forefront. He's not in the league anymore, and you wonder if kind of this stance was adopted by the NBA, this openness back then, you know, if he would still be around and what this might mean for other players who do kind of want to chase this dream but aren't in kind of the position to because of the mental health issues that they face. And it's good to see that the NBA has come this far over just six or so seasons to get to the point where they are now. Yeah. So I look, I, I, I'm going to leave it at that. I'd say, well said, and I'm, I'm excited for where we are, where we're going. Um, and uh, I'm definitely going to be talking a lot more about this. Uh, as this continues on, because it's it's such an important topic. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll probably touch on this more throughout the season as we see this evolve and more and more stories come out about it. But in the meantime, we are gearing up for NFL season for college football. And guess what? There is a Locked On NBA podcast for any team that you follow. All 30 NFL teams have you covered Monday through Friday, five days a week. And guess what? We're starting to roll out some colleges for the Locked On College Football Network. So keep an eye for that for your alma mater, your favorite school, so you can get the inside info on everything going on with them. All right, so we had some interesting comments from Channing Frye the other day talking about LeBron James. And Frye's a pretty, I guess, well-respected guy, very insightful. John, do you have the quote that he I said? I do have the quote, and he gave it to USA Today. And he's talking about the young Lakers. Now, obviously, the Lakers have LeBron, and there's some question about how some of these young guys are going to you know, interact with, with, with LeBron. Here's Channing Frye saying, quote, There's who you expect to be and then who you are when you play with LeBron. It's two different things. I don't know if they truly understand what it's like to play with him because there is no room for mistakes. Because in all actuality, he could do it himself. He could lead a team to 40 wins by himself. I think for all of them, they're going to have to have a reality check. Not only them, but the people around them. There's going to say not a growing period, but a humility. So... That's what uh, that's that's the fry quote, basically saying that you can think what you're going to think about who you are as a player, uh, 
but who you are when you play with LeBron can be a completely different thing. And it really becomes interesting because you think about how guys like Rodney Hood, when he came to Cleveland, played with LeBron. And some of these other guys who have been teammates in the past and maybe have struggled a little bit, how what it's like to play with LeBron. And when you look at the young players, Lonzo, Ingram, I mean, some of these other guys on the Lakers, they're they're it's a different story, but the young guys thinking they're going to do certain things and then LeBron saying, no, 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 you do it this way. It's going to be interesting to see how they play off of him. Yeah, kind of. Do they do they fall in line, I guess, a little bit? Is it kind of a reality check? They're known for having fun on Instagram and messing around on there. And, it, you know, I guess LeBron must be okay with that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have signed there or maybe – and it's gone on since then. But it's kind of interesting, as Channing Fry says, it's just – it's not going to be what you think it is. And it's going to be something entirely different. And when you've kind of got this young team that was really kind of finding themselves, I guess, a little bit towards the end of last season, I'm curious – so I think there's going to be some growing pains for those guys alongside him. Maybe not for kind of the team as a whole, but maybe in, I don't know, professionalism work ethic. Is that what you think he means? I think he means that, yeah, work ethic, um, some of the mistakes that young players make, even when something goes well. The, the, the picture I have in my head is the gift that runs around a lot of Kevin Love – turning around, happy, ready to high-five LeBron. And LeBron's, like, giving him instruction. And Kevin Love kind of, like, his face changes, his hand drops. He's like, wait a minute, we just did something good. And LeBron's like, no, you go here and here and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's the thing that I think Channing Fry is talking about, that even when somebody like Ingram does something great, maybe uses his athleticism, he, he drives – and scores. But LeBron says, that's not the right play. Even though you made that play, what you should have done is this and this and this. How's that guy going to take it? How is a young player going to take playing with LeBron when he thinks he should be doing things a certain way? And LeBron says, no, you do it this way. And beyond the coach, beyond whatever uh, Walton says, it's playing with LeBron for LeBron and can you handle the instruction given the way he gives instruction? And so you mentioned him and I was about to ask about that, Walton. You know, I'm kind of curious to see if this makes his job easier or harder or if now his job is less about maybe some of the X's and O's stuff. And a head coach doesn't do necessarily a ton of that at times. It's more managing egos and things like that because to me, this kind of puts a not more pressure on him. I think he'll be fine there. And I think the type of way he runs that team seems like LeBron will get along with that. But I wonder if they'll either clash at some point or if Walton's going to need to maybe run some interference between LeBron and the young guys because that can be a problem too. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think it's in LeBron's best interest to help prop up Luke Walton because the the Lakers, we can have the debate of how good they're going to be, and I'm still not 100% sure. I, I think they'll probably be a playoff team, but not one of the top four seeds. So I, I think they're probably going to be fifth or sixth. I really don't think LeBron is going to go full out. I don't think he's going to play all 82 this year. And it's going to be interesting to see how he and Luke Walton 
kind of work together. And, and my point here is he needs Luke to be a good coach. They don't need to be going through a coaching change on top of everything. He needs to have the guy there succeed because if they're going to get these free agents next year, if they are going to get Kawhi or somebody else, then he needs that place to be stable. And you can't have another new coach coming. You can't have all that stuff because I really do think that another star coming in is going to be like, I want to play with LeBron. I don't want to play for LeBron. Like I was saying like that with the younger guys, that's fine. No, that's that's a good point. And it's funny because there's a picture of him, Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard all working out together at UCLA. But, you know, so yeah, I think that's a good thing. And I wonder though, because he's going to a team that's not, if they make the playoffs, they're not going to be a top four seed, or at least I'm not expecting them to. I don't think you're expecting them to either. And they're not a title contender. And it seems like, in, you know, I don't know, five years ago, he wouldn't have made this kind of move. This was maybe a bit more about lifestyle. I think we've all kind of looked at it that way a little bit. So does he go in with more of a relaxed mindset? Or is he still just, I'm LeBron James. I can't shut it off. I'm this competitive. This is how I do things. Well, I don't, th- I don't know. I don't know what he does. I, I really feel like this is kind of a LeBron year off. I really do. That's the way it comes off, though, right? When he told Magic Johnson supposedly from everything that, yeah, it's okay. You don't need to remake this team overnight. I'm here for the long term. He didn't sign a one- or two-year deal. It was a four-year contract or or four with a player option. I forget the specifics, but more than two years here. So it seems like he's not as concerned about this season, or at least that's the optics of it, maybe. Yeah, I I know that. Lakers fans don't want to hear the possibility of LeBron punting a year and going one year older. But at the same time, LeBron's been to the finals. What was it? Eight years in a row. Like I think LeBron might actually cherish the idea of not playing beyond April or May and having like May and June off two extra months off. It's just natural. Like it's, it's not that he's not competitive, but I think there's a part of him who's going to be like, you know what? I just want to go on a vacation and come back recharged. So I don't think he's going to go completely crazy. And he's he certainly didn't try very hard on defense regular season in Cleveland. I don't think he's going to be trying very hard on defense in, in Los Angeles either. Again, I don't think he plays all 82. So it's imperative that he gets his message, even if he's pulling strings, even if he is LeBron and he takes over the entire team. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but – he needs to work with Luke Walton, and if if Luke is a good enough coach and if he's as good, he's got the experience with the big egos already. If he can work with LeBron and make it a partnership, then they can work this out, and, and everything will work out, I think, positively. But I don't know. I, I do think that Channing Fry has a point that these young guys are going to have to really work hard to adjust to playing with a star of that magnitude and not only a star of that he's a very smart guy and a perfectionist, and he remembers everything, and he knows everything that those guys should be doing already. He already knows everything that the Lakers should be doing. So they are going to have a very tough adjustment, and we haven't even talked about Lonzo and his dad and what that impact's going to have and what adjustment he has to make personally to play with LeBron with that extra element of his dad yapping, 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 yapping. 
Man, you, so now instead of the the lack of shooting, the lack of free throw shooting too on that team, potentially all these other things, I think what I might be most interested in, based off this conversation, this is how it goes here, uh, that I might be more interested to see the dynamic between LeBron and Walton and how that all plays out at the beginning of the season versus any other thing. So there, look, the Lakers are going to have a ton of attention around them all year long. Every single thing is going to be scrutinized to death. Even on our network here, which is a good segue into making sure that you all know there is a Locked On NBA podcast for every single NBA team. You want to know what's going on around LeBron and the Lakers? Listen to Locked On Lakers. You want to know what's going on here in New Orleans or over in Boston? Well, listen to Locked On Pelicans, Locked On Celtics, or the Locked On for whatever your favorite team is. It's going to come to you Monday through Friday, five days a week. No one else giving you this type of coverage in about 20 minutes or less. Okay, so Channing Fry says LeBron can take a team by himself to 40 wins. That's a bit of a hyperbole. But I want to pose a question to you, John. Could LeBron, say he just walks into like a, I don't know, your local Y, whatever you want to say, your gym, and they've got a court. He brings his own ball, and he, he points out five guys on the court and goes, I'm playing one on five. We're going to play 10 total games. Does he win 80% or more of those games, one on five of just kind of normal dudes? Or now, women. We could throw women in there. Sure. Uh, are, here's a question. Are they playing full court or half court? Let's go half court. Full court, okay. it's, you're probably not going to be. I don't, I, we'll, we'll ask that question after. Okay. So in the half court, LeBron, I feel like LeBron, you could just quadruple team him. Right? And just have one guy there just hoping that he can get a loose ball. But, I mean, LeBron is just so good. Like, I think he can beat just a bunch of regular slobs one on five. I think LeBron can just shoot. We're talking about a bunch of people who are going to be like 5'10. Yeah, something like that. So. Even if they all rush LeBron, he could probably cross a few guys over and get by like three of them in one shot. Uh, and look, I, I think he hangs back and lets them shoot. They're probably, right, that's the strategy there. Yeah, they're probably not going to hit a lot of shots. He'll probably hit every shot. Is it winner take the ball or loser take the ball? Um, I, I always play winner, winner keeps it. Winner keeps it. He's just going to get the ball first score, and then they're never getting it back, in my opinion. So I guess we've got to go to make this somewhat interesting. Because you've got the same mindset I do on this. He's going to score, I'd say, I don't know, 95% of the time he gets the ball. He could just back him into the post and score that way. There's nothing they can do whatsoever unless for some reason he misses like a bunny or a layup. But he can probably just dunk over him. Yeah. And then – he can't defend five guys at once, so he's just going to sit down there and try and defensive rebound and let them shoot, and they're not going to make every single one. So I think it gives him an advantage in this situation. Yeah, I think he may lose if they play 10 games. Let's say they play 10 games. No yeah. matter what the rules. We need a no large enough sample rules. size. This we're, we're intelligent basketball discussion people here. I think if they play 10 times, he'll win probably eight uh, I'm giving the five a a possibility of somebody getting hot and just hitting a bunch of shots and and maybe winning. But I think LeBron could probably beat just five regular people 
eight out of ten times. So say it's five, I don't know, former high school players. Do they have a chance, or is it still like eight out of no, ten he's going to probably win if, again? If you were only if you're only good enough to be a high school player, then no chance. If they were five young former college players, then they could probably, even if they're Division three players, they could probably play enough offense. They could make enough fundamental passes where they could at least figure out, like, if we just triple pick LeBron and we can at least get some mid-range jumpers, those would be the teams that, that might win a couple of games. But anything... So you, so you think he's fighting through screens in defense here when he didn't play as high of a level of defense as he could have last season? Uh, well, look, we're, we're talking about a one-on-five game. I'm assuming that he's in this complete hypothetical situation that he's <laughs> hypothetically yeah. going to be competitive enough to say, I'm not going to lose to these slobs, even one-on-five. That's I a fair point, actually. Yeah. Maybe that motivates him more than other times, like being in the NBA Finals and things like that. I don't know. So what if it changes to full court? Full court, I think LeBron scores every time. Like, there's just no stopping LeBron. They, no, he's just going to get out and there's, they've got no chance at all You don't there. understand, and people don't understand just how fast he is. He will be the fastest player on the court. Like by far, you'd have to keep like two guys back just to just to maybe draw a charge. And you could say, OK, let's press. But he there's no chance that he would he, he would blow by everybody. So Run like a-, a reverse Vivek uh, game plan instead of having it be like four on one with one cherry picking on the other end, you need to like just keep two guys back on D the totally. entire time. Totally, totally. I just don't see like my, my one of my biggest campaigns, my ongoing campaign is people do not understand how good the worst player in the NBA is the worst player, whoever that is, pick them number 450 out of 450 or whatever the number actually is, can walk into your gym and be the most dominant player in the gym. Like people do not understand that LeBron James walking into your gym would just be as if Zeus himself descended from the clouds and struck everyone with lightning bolts one on five and just pranced to it. Like he would, it would take some coordinated basketball skill to, to, to beat LeBron because you would have, he would let you shoot all the jumpers and you better hit them all because he's going to rebound and score. And if, especially if you're playing winner keeps all he's, he's never going to miss. Never going to miss. Oh, no, I agree with that. So my last hypothetical here. Let me ask you a question first before I set set this up. What's the worst NBA player you can think off the top of your head that you've seen? Or like, I don't know. That's just – I have one in my mind that's a name probably no one's going to get, but he was so bad. I mean, like in Boston, we always say like Brian Scalabrini. Like that's, you know – there there are worse players, definitely worse players than Brian Scalabrini. But – I will say there, there was this competition after Scal retired that people always said, well, I could beat Scal because he's, he looks like this oh, big... Oh, it's like not a chance. Right. He looks like this big, doughy white guy, and people were like, oh, come on. He sucks. I could beat him. And he just demolished, like completely thrashed. And, it, and to my point, like 
he was retired, trash, like just completely wiped, you know, washed up. And he destroyed people. And he can still destroy people. I mean, he's out there playing in the big three. So, yeah. But so, yeah, that's that's my my go to example. Who's your? Uh, I'll go worse here. There's this dude on the Hornets, Darius Songalia, uh, oh, for yeah. a while, who was <laughs> just not good. So, how many wins? Let's put him. Say they're all playing for the Lakers. You've got four Darius Songalias or Galias. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name. He's that bad. And LeBron. And it's just LeBron and a team of Dariuses here. How many, <laughs> how many games do they win, though? Is it 40? I, I think they could probably I think they could probably win, like, I don't know if they get to 40. I don't think 40. I think they can win 35, which is saying a lot. That's so really, like, really, that guy was so bad. Yeah, I think he can raise the, the all the Darius Songalii game their game collective games he could raise them up he's just yeah still even still i mean they <laughs> they they give up a ton of points but oh they, yeah zero defense i feel like they could he could pick his spots and i think they could win like probably close to 35 games that's damn good in my opinion with a team like this which just goes to show you how good lebron really is and that channing fry in the last segment was 100 percent correct on like the greatness of lebron james in case any of us weren't really sure about this but i think we are especially now that we've gone through all the hypothetical scenarios that you could possibly want on how he keeps winning john i think that's probably a good place to stop it yeah oh yeah oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> LeBron James and a team full of Darius Sangalii. I like that. So thank you all for listening to the the Wednesday edition of the Locked On NBA podcast. As always, Monday through Friday, five days a week for you all. And on Wednesday, I'm Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. I am John Corrales at Reds Army John on Twitter. Reds Army underscore John. Jeez, I couldn't even get my Twitter handle right. Reds Army underscore John on Twitter co-host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you all next week.